You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome to another edition of BGN Memories, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolness. And this year, as we get ready to start the 2020 Philadelphia Eagles season, it's also the 40th anniversary of one of the most celebrated Eagles teams in franchise history. Of course, we're talking about the 1980 Philadelphia Eagles team, coached by Dick Vermeil, that went to the team's first ever Super Bowl in Super Bowl 15 against the Oakland Raiders. And, of course, we don't like to talk about the actual Super Bowl because it was such a terrible a terrible evening, but we will get to the Super Bowl at the end of the year. But what this, what BGN Memories is going to do coming up this fall, and you know, we may have some other BGN Memories shows that don't have anything to do with the 1980 Eagles, but once a month, uh, we're going to take a look at each month of the 1980 Eagles season and break it down and take you step by step. We'll have some some audio sound bites from some of the games, and we'll hear from some of the players as we go as we go through this trip down memory lane. And on this episode of BGN Memories, we're going to set the 1980 season up as we get ready to celebrate the 40th anniversary, and I'll take you through the first month of the 1980 season. We'll look at the four games the Eagles played that September. You know, this was all about beating the Dallas Cowboys. This 1980 season was all about nothing more than beating the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, it's a season that ultimately ended up in disappointment in a lot of ways, a lot of people feel because of that. Because the goal was beating the Dallas Cowboys, because it appeared as though their Super Bowl was beating Dallas in the NFC Championship game at home, that maybe they didn't have anything left for Super Bowl 15. But even though they didn't end up winning the Super Bowl, the 1980 season was still a remarkable achievement in and of itself. And in order to tell the story of the 1980 Eagles, we have to go back to 1976 when Bird's owner Leonard Tose hired Dick Vermeil, one of college football's brightest young minds, away from UCLA. There are only so many NFL coaching jobs available, and not very often are you offered the opportunity to coach one. He had quite a job on his hand, had to build a roster for his first three seasons without a first-round pick. The Eagles had traded away their first-round picks in those three seasons prior to his arrival, and, and yet, without a first-round pick in his first three seasons, not until 1979... Vermeil built a playoff team and a championship contender. But it was an expected rocky start for Vermeil's Eagles. This is a team that had not finished above 500 since 1966 when they went 9 and 5. When Vermeil took over, they were enduring nine straight non-winning seasons. They had one 500 season and the rest of those seasons eight others were all losing seasons when Vermeil took the reins. And in 1976 and 1977, Vermeil's first two seasons in Philadelphia, it was more of the same, a 4-10 and and 5-9 and record those first two years. But they did give us Vince Papali. You're a freaking eagle, aren't you? You're a freaking Philadelphia eagle! 
So that gives you some idea of Dick Vermeil's first season in Philadelphia and how rocky it was. But things started to slowly turn around. In 1978, the Eagles broke through and became winners for the first time in years. They went to the playoffs for the first time in 18 seasons with a 9-7 and record. At the start of all this, the Eagles traded for their quarterback, Ron Jaworski, from the Rams in exchange for all-pro tight end Charlie Young. And Jaworski became the franchise quarterback the team was needing. But Jaworski got battered in his first couple of years as the starter. Things did not go smoothly right off the bat for, for Ron, but he started to put things together in 1978, 1979, and it all came together for him in 1980. But Ron Jaworski was the key piece because you've got to have that quarterback. You've got to have a QB who can lead the team. And the Eagles had suffered for years with a rotating group of very uninspiring choices at quarterback. You remember the years in the 90s when we were going through Bobby Hoying and Coy Detmer and the like. This was a lot like that in the in the early to mid-1970s until the Eagles traded for Ron Jaworski. The Eagles also drafted Wilbert Montgomery in the sixth round of the 1977 drafted running back. And this was one of the key pieces to turning this Philadelphia Eagles team from and also ran into a playoff contender. Montgomery became one of the greatest players in team history, not bad for a sixth rounder, and was a was a vital component to the 1980 season and the seasons before that where they went to the playoffs. And of course, the other big star on the offense during this time was Harold Carmichael, a seventh round pick. In 1971, he actually played tight end in his rookie season because he was so big, had a breakout season in 1973 for the team, but then struggled after that. As the Eagles went through their carousel of quarterbacks in the in the uh, mid-70s, Carmichael predictably struggled as well. It's really hard to be a productive NFL wide receiver when your quarterbacks stink on a regular basis. But once Jaworski and Vermeil and Wilbert Montgomery arrived, all these guys started to come into their own, and you started to get a sense that this team had something. This was not a dynamic offense until 1980. In the late 70s, this was this was an offense that did the job, that that moved the football, that scored enough points to 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 win. But they were not a dynamic offense. But in 1980, a conservative offense really exploded and uh, and and became something special. And it was because you had Jaworski playing at the highest level he ever played in his career. And you had Wilbert Montgomery, who got hurt in 1980 and missed a few games, but when he was out there, was playing at an elite level. And you had Harold Carmichael doing things that very few wide receivers in the NFL could do. So in 1978, the Eagles lost to the Atlanta Falcons in the NFC wildcard game. It was the first ever NFL wildcard game, by the way. Christmas Eve, 1978, Atlanta Stadium. For the first time in 18 years, the Philadelphia Eagles are playing a meaningful game in December. They are in the playoffs against the Atlanta Falcons. After three periods, the Eagles lead 13-0. But all season long, the Falcons have been a fourth quarter team, a fact that concerns the Eagles coaching staff. Defense, we've got a 13-point lead. We've got to play like it's 0-0, zero, zero, and that's meaning flat out and execution of our defense. The only thing you got to do is ask yourself, can we shut them out the rest of the way? The Atlanta Falcons, the miracle team of 1978, have one more miracle left. Two fourth-period touchdowns give them a 14-13 victory. 
while eliminating the Eagles from further playoff competition. Yet what mattered most was not that the Eagles had lost, but that they had been there at all. But then the Eagles went 11-5 in 1979. They won their wild card game against the Chicago Bears and then lost to Tampa Bay in the divisional round, finishing second in the NFC East each season to the Dallas Cowboys. And it was those Cowboys who the Eagles had to beat. Now, this was a team that entered 1980 with great expectations because as we've seen in, with recent Eagles teams during the Andy Reid era and, and others, is that they, they were taking steps. They, they finally broke through and made the playoffs, broke that long postseason drought in 1978. They lost their one and only playoff game. They lost to the Falcons after blowing that lead, as you just heard. Um... But the next year took another step forward. They beat the Bears in the wild card round and then lost to the Buccaneers in the divisional round. The city of Philadelphia and everybody else felt like this team was ready to take the next step, that they were ready to be a, a championship caliber team. But they had to beat the Dallas Cowboys. That was the hump. That was the, that was the, uh, that was the immovable object that they had to try and push out of the way. And so they designed their team and they designed their program to beating the Cowboys. And in training camp, Vermeil challenged the team to focus on the season with one goal in mind, beating the Dallas Cowboys. In 1980, it finally all came together. The defense, headed by Marion Campbell, allowed the fewest points per game in the NFL, 13.9 points per game. The Eagles were a ferocious 3-4 defense led by their linebackers, Bill Berge and Frank LeMaster on the insides. And then you had outside linebackers John Bunting and Jerry Robinson creating havoc. Robinson led the team with four recovered fumbles to go with two interceptions. We don't know about sack leaders, by the way, because sacks did not become an official statistic until 1982. Individual uh, sacks, by the way. Anyway, so we don't really know exactly how many sacks these guys had. But Bill Berge, Frank LeMaster, John Bunting, Jerry Robinson were terrors at linebacker on the defensive line you had pro the only pro bowler on the team was charlie johnson who played nose tackle he was a monster but yet dennis harris and carl harrison on the outside herm edwards and rookie roynell young were the corners uh to go along with safeties bernard wilson who led the team with six interceptions and randy logan who was the starter at strong safety so a great core of defenders and they only allowed under just under two touchdowns per game 13.9 points per game which again was the lowest mark in the NFL. Offensively, the three big the three big stars, as I mentioned, were Jaworski, who had a career year that year, running back Wilbert Montgomery and wide receiver Harold Carmichael, but they were ably helped by fullback Leroy Harris, who had a productive season, and Charlie Smith was the other starter at wideout, who actually had more receiving yards in 1980. Then Carmichael. Tight end Keith Krepley was a solid offensive tight end for that era, and John Spagnola was just coming into his own as a young player at tight end. And they had an offensive line that mashed people and protected Ron Jaworski better than he had ever been protected in his career. You had Stan Walters, who ended up becoming a legendary radio play-by-play guy with Merrill Reese uh, at tackle along with Jerry Sizemore. You had Petey Perot and Woody Peebles at guard and Guy Morris at center. The offense averaged 24 points per game in 1980. That was sixth highest in the NFL as the Eagles raced out to an 11-1 record in 1980 and eventually finished 12-4. and so up next, we're going to take a look at how the team got off to a fast start in the month of September. That's coming up next here on BGN Memories. It had been 20 years since the Eagles had won a championship. 
That joyous day at Franklin Field had long since faded into years of cruel jokes, dashed hopes, and empty Januaries. But in 1980, the long wait ended. It began under the summer skies at Westchester State College. Coach Dick Vermeil and his staff ran the toughest training camp in the league. But it was just the kind of program that could propel a team towards a title. That's it. Good. Good job. That's it. Now we won't get a second chance. Ball game party night. We're going to do it right. Tempo's starting to sag. Some people starting to feel sorry for themselves a little bit out here. And I told you. No coaches are going to feel sorry for you. Get to them, Leroy. You're going to have to be quicker than that. That's not quick enough. And we're back with BGN Memories. Don't you just love the sound of John Vicenda's voice on the NFL films? On the, It's just, it, it brings you back, doesn't it? Well, right now we're going to take a look at the fast start this team got off to. In September, as, as we enter this month of September, and as the 2020 Eagles get ready to kick off their September schedule, we look back at 1980 and we see that in week one, the Eagles had their home opener against the Broncos who had made the playoffs each of the previous three years. So this was a tough task for the 1980 Eagles to start off the season, but it wasn't even a contest, and this would be a sign of things to come for this football team. They jumped on top with a quick Ron Jaworski 56-yard touchdown pass to Carmichael and led 20 to nothing at halftime. Denver would add, uh, would add two field goals in the third quarter to make it 20-6. to but Spagnola caught an 11-yard touchdown pass from Jaworski in the fourth quarter to ice this ballgame 27-6, and the Birds were off to a 1-0 start to the 1980 season, winning the home opener. In Week 2, this was the game you really felt like that this was going to be a different team and this was going to be a different season. The Eagles went to Minnesota to take on a very good team in the Vikings, a team that they would play in the postseason later in the year, and... They just beat the ever-living crud out of Minnesota on the road, 42-7. to The Eagles got a tremendous rushing performance from Montgomery, who ran 20 times for 169 yards and two touchdowns, one of them a 72-yard touchdown burst. Leroy Harris vultured a couple of touchdowns, and fantasy football people would have been so upset with Leroy Harris vulturing a couple of touchdowns away from Wilbert Montgomery, but uh, he found the end zone twice, and Jaworski was incredibly efficient, went 20 of 26 and threw for two touchdowns as the defense held the Vikings to just 32 yards rushing and allowed Tommy Kramer to complete just 16 of 39 pass attempts for 178 yards. It was a thoroughly thoroughly dominating performance from start to finish to allow the 1980 Eagles to go to 2-0. In Week 3, it was more of the same as the hated New York Giants came to Veterans Stadium and were destroyed by the Birds 35-3. At this, at this time, the Giants were a pretty terrible football team. But this was a this was an absolute demolition. Montgomery scored twice again, although not the same kind of production as in Minnesota. 15 carries for 87 yards, but he also caught seven balls out of the backfield for 67 yards and a touchdown. Eagles receivers Charlie Smith and Carmichael each scored as well, with Jaworski going 18 for 29 for 240 yards and three touchdowns. A very young Phil Sims was held to 21 of 49 passing with no touchdowns and two interceptions for the Giants in Week 3. So here you have the Philadelphia Eagles off to a 3-0 start. They've beaten two very good teams in the Denver Broncos and Minnesota Vikings, and then 
destroyed a pretty bad Giants team. So they had to feel good going into week four, traveling to St. Louis to take on the Cardinals. Remember the Cardinals in St. Louis at this point. But this was a surprising loss. Their first loss of the season came in week four, the final game on the Birds' September calendar, um, something that would only happen four times all season. In St. Louis, taking on the Cardinals, the Birds' offense turned the ball over three times and rushed for just over 109 yards on 30 attempts in a dispiriting 24-14 loss to the Cardinals to fall to 3-1 on the season. For once, the Eagles' defense could not stop the opposition's run game as Otis Anderson ran for 151 yards and two scores as the Cardinals, as a team, ran for 195 yards on 41 carries. So... The Eagles finished the month of September at 3-1, and one, but that loss would be the last that they would experience for quite a little while. And as we jump into October next month, uh, we'll give you a little bit more detail about the October schedule and the, 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 the blitz the Eagles were about to go on as this team proved that they were going to be a nightmare for teams to deal with throughout the 1980 season. And folks, that'll do it for this edition of BGN Memories. Again, this is going to be a special season as we look back at 1980 and reminisce about uh, what happened uh, with that with one of the great teams in Philadelphia sports history. So many great heroes emerged uh, from that team and we're going to we're going to dissect it all as the season goes along and I hope as the season goes along uh, I'll be able to uh, talk to some folks who uh, covered that season and uh, and we're, we're neck deep in the 1980 Philadelphia Eagles. can tell us what it was like to be a Philadelphia sports fan during that time because you also had the Phillies winning the World Series that October for the first time in franchise history and the Sixers and the Eagles both going to their uh, sports uh, championship round. So it was a magical time to be a Philadelphia sports fan and the Eagles were just getting their season started uh, in September uh, in 1980. So thanks everybody for tuning in and I'll talk to you all next time here on BGN Memories. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.